Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat & Track Podcast. I'm your host, Stu Whiffin. I hope you're all doing well today. So this is a little intro before the the main thing, before the main card, you know, the big cheese, the numero uno. Um, this episode was was an absolute joy. Um, I'd never I'd never met the guest before. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I did I did expect a great taste in music. Um, from the work that I'd, I'd seen my guest involved with. What? Why am I being that mysterious about it? My guest today is Dom Jolly. Uh, was absolutely thrilled when he said um, he'd like to come and do it. And within about five minutes of, of sending the questions over, he sent his tracks back. And I was like, this is going to be a good chat. Um, and I wasn't wrong. Um, thank you very much to the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen for letting me record there. And... Yeah, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this episode. Um, Dom knows his music inside out. Um, it was just a lot of fun. And we went we went right away from the questions quite quickly. And and Dom seemed aware of it. And I said, it, it just don't matter. You know, that's the whole concept of this podcast. Them, them anchor questions are just the little things that, that kind of give us a little bit of structure. But the, the good stuff's when you just start chatting, right? That's that's the beauty of podcasting. Um, and... Yeah, I had, I had so much fun, and and yeah, we, we've got lots of very similar tastes in music as well, and and we obviously we speak about Trigger Happy, we speak about him being on the run in Hunted, um, and and his career today, growing up, um, split between Lebanon, um, and a very posh school in, in England, and, and and we talk about how that was, um, very two very contrasting. Um, places to experience growing up in um, yeah I'm going to stop going on because I want you to get straight into this episode because it's a cracker so big thanks to 76 for producing this thanks to my name is Adam Brad Acton for the artwork and video content um, big shout outs to everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network and please enjoy Off The Beat and Track with Mr Don Jolly It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Right, we are recording. We are in the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Thank you very much to them people there for letting me have a little bit of space. And I'm sharing my space today with Mr. Dom Jolly. Hello. How you doing? In Hipster Central. I'm very excited. You've had a little hipster stroll. Yeah, well, I've, yeah, I've just had a health scare, actually. I'm oh, really? 50. So, uh, yeah, I've just been told I've got sleep apnea. 
which means I stop breathing at night. And it's kind of normally, if you snore a lot, that's an indication. I'm not, this isn't a medical podcast, don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, Is yes. that where you sort of wake up? <gasps> yeah, exactly. And scary, uh, right? it, it can be really scary. And I didn't know what it was. So I went to see, so I've got this weird machine I have to wear at night, which is like the unsexiest machine in the world. Yeah. And it blows nose up your head, uh, up your, blows air up your nose. But it's changed my life. It's amazing. And uh, so I've got to shift some weight, stop drinking a bit. The party's over basically for a bit. Oh, so uh, I've been walking and I love it. I'm really into it. So it's really good. Drinking and snoring go hand in hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the one where if I've had a good drink up. No, it's true. It's generally, I'm getting nudged all yeah, night yeah. by my wife saying, stop. I'm getting more nudged. Right. I'll wake up and my wife will clearly have been shouting me for an hour yeah. and it's like waking out in the middle of an argument that you've not been part of which is really weird <laughs> and she's so angry and she's about to punch you in the face but um, yeah no it's weird I kind of have a you know I've kind of needed to kick up the arse for ages really just to get fit and get together but I kind of have this worry that it's like the boozing and going out that kind of gives you your cre creativity do you know what I mean Absolutely. and you sort of worry that if you go dry that you're just that'll be it but then I think that's total bollocks. So, so are you, are you going really completely dry? I am for a year, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that under medical No, not really. He, well, he said you need to lose some weight. That's one of the best ways to yeah. get rid of apnea. And it's I, weight I, on your chest, right? Huh? Is it weight on your chest when you... No, weird, it's neck is the main right, thing. Okay. Yeah, so if you've got an over a size 17 neck, that's, you've yeah. normally got sleep apnea. This is a really weird indie one, but, <laughs> but I kind of... Um, yeah, so I needed to kick up the arse. I needed an excuse to do it. And I just figured, right, I'll do it. And I kind of got sick of waking up hungover every morning. Yeah. And uh, I've just done so much in like a month. Yeah. It's insane how focused I am. So I'm just, I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm going for it. Yeah. So I've, I've written a script. I've got a sitcom optioned. I'm like, it's crazy what's happening. So and and I'm just been, writing. you've been running around the UK, yeah? I'll be what? Running around the UK being chased. Oh, God, yeah, I was on Hunted, which was really weird. Yeah, I loved that, actually. That was really cool. So I've got a little story about that, Yeah, right? go on. Um, I, um, I've been really enjoying watching it. Um, it's a good show. when you nearly got caught and told them to fuck off, it really made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, made my kids laugh an awful lot. And I was yeah. trying to explain to them last night that I was meeting you today, so I was very excited. What, the fuck off, man? <laughs> exactly that. Do you know why I'm so annoyed? I wanted to shout, you'll never catch me alive, copper. And I was like, fuck, that's what I should have shouted. It really pisses me off. I want to go back now. Oh, brilliant. And then, all right, maybe you will. <laughs> but I, I, I've never put myself off for any sort of TV stuff or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, not, it's not really, you know, what, what I'm about. But I... Watched the first series of The Island. Oh, yeah. And I, I thought, did that as well. Of course. Yeah. And I thought, I can do that. Oh, fuck, you couldn't. <laughs> Actually, you probably could, but I couldn't. <laughs> so I auditioned for it. Did you? And I got down to the last 15 people out of something like 70,000. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. It's insane how many people go for that. And, uh, and I, got, I had to go to Camden for this sort of screening and all this stuff. And, and then literally, they chose 10. And I was no. on the reserve. So I was gutted. And, uh, and, and then... Thought nothing more of it. And then about six months later, the production company phoned me up and I was at work and they were like, um, we've got a new show starting and it's going to be called On The Run or something like that. It was yeah, hunted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, where you literally go on the run. And I was like, oh, mate. And I thought, I'm all over that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, right, that sounds interesting. So I went and met them. And then they were saying what you need to realise. I don't know if it's changed over the series, but they said they will have access to everything. Holy shit. I, and they said, like, if you're having an affair with your neighbour... Honestly. And, and I was it, like, really? Not that I'm having an affair yeah, with my yeah, only yeah. neighbour. Um, but I just thought, oh, I don't know about that. And they said, we'll have access to your computers. Honestly, everything. And I just yeah, thought... Yeah, I'm clearing history, just everything all the way through. <laughs> and, then, and, when, and when they ask you to nominate, like, ten people... The, 
because anyone that, that helps you obviously has got to sign up for the whole thing. Yeah. So you don't have to use these people, but they try and work out who you might go. So they sort of pre-approve them right. so that they can at least have some stuff on them. And what's funny is like you nominate all these mates and then they come back and go, okay, just to let you know that these five have said yes. And I go, well, what about the other five? And they go, they've gone very quiet. And you suddenly realize, who's dodgy in your mates? Really? Because <laughs> they're either hiding some tack shit or yeah. I don't know what they're hiding, but yeah. So it's Brilliant. great. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy doing it though? Which one? Hunted? Yeah. I, f I really loved it. And I was really annoyed because... Uh, I lasted seven days, and we were, like, way ahead. They weren't anywhere near us, but I'm not supposed to say. But what they tell you, what they don't tell you on the show is there's a couple of rules. And right. one of the rules is you have to make contact with a tier. Because I'm always like, why the, you know, why the fuck do you ring home? Like, yeah. I'd never ring home, you know. Yeah. But you got to, so there are a couple of rules. So to make it a bit more interesting. Of course. And you've got to taunt them and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I would have loved another week. Because what I love about those shows, especially, like, The Island and Hunted, I like shows, and even I'm a celeb, really, I like... I like shows that give you the opportunity, even if you had like billions of pounds, you wouldn't be able to do that unless, well, the hunted, if yeah. you robbed a bank, possibly. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. so I love, I love being put in that situation. It is amazing. The weird thing about hunted is I thought I'd get massive adrenaline spikes. And actually, it wasn't. It was lots of constant low level stress. So you're sitting, the first six days, we didn't see any hunter. But just to know that someone's out there hunting yeah. you is it fucks with your head after yeah. a bit and you start to second guess and think, oh, I went there but did, you know, and it really builds, you know. So you end up as an alcoholic, really. You can yeah. see why spies drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, we're going to talk about um, your life and predominantly like the, your creativity and, yeah. uh, and, and, and the songs that have soundtracked that. That's what I'm all about. And so the first track I ask uh, you to select on is the, the song with the greatest intro. Yeah, see, I mean, it's terrible this, because when I'm thinking about choosing music, I always go through what I want, and then, and then I think of something else. And I sometimes think the best way to do it is to choose a band I like covering a song I like, because that way I can get two in. And actually, this one, I should have gone the other way, but I think, the and it's a bit of an obvious one, but it is Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. There's something about that song when I first heard it, and it was kind of coming out of the 80s, where, you know, I was a goth, there was sort of post-punk early 80s. Then it, there was sort of pretty boy pop. There was the Duran Duran. And then there was a real gap. There was just nothing really going on, apart from in American music. Cock there rock. Were, yeah. Yeah, but in, there was some odd stuff. And yeah. there, were, there were Pixies. Pixies was the only thing going on. Quiet, quiet, loud, you know. Like, and that was the first thing. I was like, yeah. fuck, that's something amazing. And then the, nothing was happening. And, and then suddenly out of nowhere, I remember where I was. I was in Shepherd's Bush. I was in someone's basement and I'd been in Toronto the year before and I'd been into a record store and there was a record called Bleach and it was Nirvana's first one and uh, some record guy said you've got to buy this, you've got to buy this and I didn't, anyway long story but I'm sitting in this basement and he plays Nevermind and this came on it was like fuck, it was just like nothing, it was, it was real and it was, it's so aggressive from the beginning yeah. but it's got that incredible little guitar it's just that and it hooks yeah. you in and then I saw the video which was kind of it was kind of fucking up American high school yeah, stuff. And it was, it was just, it felt like punk, yeah. you know, and it felt real. And you knew, like, with Kurt Cobain that he was real. There's that amazing moment on MTV Unplugged when he's singing, uh, I can't remember which song it is, but it's Where just... Where did you sleep last Where'd night? Where did you sleep Where last night? that breath. And he just stops. And there's just one moment. You look straight into his eye, 
straight through him, and you know, fuck I'm that. Getting goosebumps thinking yeah, about that. Yeah, honestly, like, I've, I've played that so many times. Yeah. And there's a breath, and it's just you're like, fuck, yeah. that is the moment. I mean, yeah. for me, that's what all music is about. Yeah. Is about those moments that make you goosebumps. Yeah. Trigger Happy was all about me doing stupid stuff yeah. and then not undeservingly just getting those moments from music that I loved yeah. and putting it on top to give it a bit of oomph. So that's, that's <laughs> the question I was going to ask you. So in regards to sort of creative control on Trigger Happy, like the music... 100%. Because, totally because the music me. Was, was something that really stood out yeah, um, well, for me as, 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 a, as an indie kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, obviously, Elastica aside, like, I remember hearing... Granddaddy. Oh, and, I love Granddaddy, and, yeah. And, and it was, he's simple, he's, he's simple, dumb, he's oh, the pilot. Right, Fuck. Right. And when I first heard that, that was very weird, because that, I think that was the second series, and once, because I, I, basically, if I had a choice, I'd be a musician. Like, yeah. I was in a band, I was in a band called Hang David, we played CBGBs and stuff, we were a sort of indie band, and uh, I just you wasn't... played CBGBs? Yeah, 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 which was great, huh? Mate, that's yeah. a box to tick. No, I know, it was pretty cool. I didn't realise at the time, yeah. it was only when I got there, I realised there's history and stuff, yeah. so yeah, it was very cool. And... Uh, I, I kind of, that's what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't good enough, really. Yeah. And, and, and I've always loved music. And to be honest, I've not really been into comedy. I'm just, yeah. I didn't grow up wanting to be a comedian. I'm not a stand-up. And I kind of loved putting, putting music, especially kind of sad music, weirdly. I remember when I first did some Trigger Happy stuff, and it was, actually, it was Lee Francis when he worked at Paramount Comedy Channel in the art department. Like, we were like 22 or whatever. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I made him dress up as a mouse. I, you know, always, all my stuff's quite high concept, and uh, <laughs> I dressed as a cat, and we just had the world's longest cat and mouse chase through yeah. London. So he'd be in a cheese shop, he'd just run through it, and then I'd run up for him. And uh, I put some, I think I put House of Love on top, because I love House of Love. Yeah. And I remember people at Paramount going, oh, no, it needs cartoon music. I go, no, it fucking doesn't. Yeah. And they go, but it's quite sad. I go, yeah. well, that's what I like, really. Yeah. So, yeah, all, all of that. Trigger really, you know, I've never thought of it like that, because... I mean, D is the saddest of all chords, yeah. And you use Charlotte sometimes. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm an old goth, you know. So, And and, uh, there are moments in Trigger Happy, what I really love is there are moments in Trigger Happy where people are watching it, and I can see them almost feeling quite emotional, but they're watching something stupid, and and they don't really know how to think, because they're like, why am I feeling emotional about this? And it's because it is that music. I love that bit in a song where it just gets you and you're like, fuck, I've got to play that again and again and yeah. again. And, and that's, that's what it was. So I had total control over... I mean, I, the Trigger Happy was a long time filming, yeah. but then it was all about the edit. And the drummer in my band actually was my editor. Oh, right. So he was a great editor. Like, he totally... He yeah. cuts on the beat, yeah, really cults. good with it. And also, because I knew him so well, editing's really difficult. Because yeah. you've got a guy who starts noodling away and you're like, can I ask you what you're doing? And then he shows you and it's shit and it's all awkward. But because I knew him so well... He got the rhythm of where he was going. Yeah, and like, I'd just say, yeah. Dave, that shit. And he wouldn't take offence. And, yeah. and, we, and we just made it up as we went. And it was just incredible. We used Baby Bird and we used House of Love. And I was just... And also, because Channel 4 had this deal, which is like a blanket agreement. Yeah. So now, if I do it somewhere, I've got to pay fucking fortunes like for to use the music of trigger happy around the world yeah just to clear elastica the track was something like i think it was 80 grand and i used like 90 tracks or whatever so i had to use this terrible sound alike track around the world which is why i went to america with a shit soundtrack but channel 4 had a blanket agreement which just meant you could use anything just occasionally you had someone was outside the blanket agreement i had one moment and it was such a shit joke it was literally me in a fat suit trying to squeeze down an alley yeah and uh, I used Wings, I think he used Band on the Run. And we ended up with, we had to get it cleared. And we ended up with someone, I was listening to someone on the phone to Paul McCartney. 
And he was just going, and he just went, yeah, go on then, <laughs> like that. I was like, Paul McCartney said yes. <laughs> that was so Fuck. weird, yeah. So all that kind of stuff was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I know, to, to talk about team spirit, I've mentioned it because um, no one's actually chose this, but a few people have sort of, when they've said an honourable mention, if I say, oh, did you consider anything else? Yeah, a lot yeah. of people have said uh, team spirit. And, I, and I've mentioned before that I think when you hear Butch Vig describe yeah. that, he said, when I first heard that played back through the desk, it sounded like being in a house that was collapsing on top yeah, of you. Yeah, it's and I just... just it does. It just collapses everywhere. But do you know what it did? It, it at the time when it came out, there'd been such shit, frankly, it, for me in yeah, music. No, you know, and agree. it was my crucial time of music. Yeah. I wanted to have my punk. I yeah. wanted to have my, and it wasn't happening. And Manchester was about to come, which I love, yeah. Stone Road. But it, it just wasn't real. And then yeah. suddenly, like you heard this thing, yeah. and it must have been like punk kicking away everything, just going yeah. fuck off. We're here, and it's real, and it was amazing. And I'll tell you my honourable mention for this. And another of my total heroes, heroines, Patti Smith. Yep. Patti Smith does a cover of this song. I don't know if you've heard I've it. never heard that. She did an album of covers. Weird covers. Like, she does Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Now, I love Tears for Fears, okay. but I don't like that song, and yeah. I don't like... I didn't think she'd do it. She does a, it, it uh, and she does it on a sort of banjo, so it's just... And just... And she is... You've got to hear it. It's yeah. the best cover of any yeah. song I've ever heard. And it's the first time you actually hear the lyrics as yeah. well. So I had no idea what he's singing. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, idea. ripped up on albinos and yeah. bring your friends. And I remember him singing this on Top of the Pops, load up on, load up on drugs. Is that when he's kill. got the mic in his mouth? Yeah, and he's, he's going, load up on drugs, kill your friends. And yeah. you're like, fuck, this is what Top of the Pops is for yeah. for your parents to go, turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a shame that, you know, the, 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 the way that the media's moved... Insofar as music television, how MTV oh, there's is all nothing, about, is there? I'm 12 and pregnant and things yeah. like that. And there, there isn't them. The it, Tube. Do you remember The Tube? Oh, I love The Tube. I mean? Just to see a band play three songs live. Or The White Room, even. Do you remember The White, White Room? room with, I love um, that. That was, was Brickpop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was loved all that. Yeah. We've got nothing. So all we got is Jules Holland, which, yeah. you know, I really admire Jules Holland for what it is. Yeah. But it's like, right, here comes the world band. Here comes, it's like, yeah. fuck that. I want an indie show. Yeah. And yeah. the word. I love you know, the word. Like yeah. the now the word. word. Now Nirvana were on the word. Yeah, they must have done this one on the word actually. They did. I think. Yeah, and, and that was just mental. And then L Seven. Do you remember mate, them? That's when she put. Was that when she put the tampon out? On, put, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like you know, seeing a vagina was enough. Yeah. That was exciting. And yeah. then the tampon came out. I was like, yeah. fuck. That's yeah. the, the word. I think took it to an even <laughs> higher level. At yeah, that yeah, point. yeah. But um, no, there was a good music booker on the on on the word actually. It was cool. It was Joe Wiley. Was it? Yeah. Well, there you go. I know I'm nothing. sure Joe Wiley. Yeah, was that the, makes the sense. Well, well done, the, Joe Wiley. On the word. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just quickly, you mentioned Tears for Fears, and you're a fan of Tears for Fears. Do you know what? I think Tears for Fears, The Hurting, is yeah. the greatest album of Did the you 80s. Did you use a track on Trigger Happy for yeah. The Hurting? Yeah, I must have used. I would imagine I used Pearl Shelter because I'm, I'm obsessed. You did. Yeah, you did. I'm, I'm obsessed with Pearl Shelter. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that whole band. And the actual song, The Hurting, yeah. is fucking amazing. And then again, if you're talking about covers, uh, Mad World when yeah. that was covered Gary for Donnie Jules. Darko yeah. fucking Jonathan Ross got hold of that yeah. and was playing it I was like fuck because I was going to put that in my yeah. next trigger but I couldn't after that because yeah. it had been used yeah. but that is an insane cover of it but I love I hate Everybody Wants to Rule the World I can't remember the other uh, the singles on Big Chair were that was um, uh, there's one great song on that and, and uh, it's got the piano at the beginning the one uh, sort of uh, which is Head Over Heels, which is down. Oh, I love Head Over Heels, but there's a huge song on, on that called uh, Day in the, a bit like Day in the Life. It's like a you ten. You're not the one that closes. You've not listened. No, it's a ten minute long one. Maybe it's not songs Mother's for the big talk. No, no, it's called. 
Fuck, I don't know. But I, I just think they're amazing. And I, I, I mean, I had tickets to see him in Brighton about a year ago, oh. and I've never seen them. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you, I, I really love that yeah. band, and I don't think they get the credit no, they, they deserve. No, they don't. And they're really weird. They had, a, they had the classic, they didn't get on very well for ages, yeah, did they? Yeah, And uh, I think they had this thing where one of them, probably Orzabal, I think he believed everything happened in his dreams. So I think yeah. all their lyrics were about that. But it forget all that he, shit. He had that... Uh, Student of Johnny Panic and the Bible of Dreams. That yeah, was his yeah. other, uh, yeah. But I just love this. I love everything from the cover of The Hurting with the little yeah. kid curling up in the thing and just The Hurting. It was very un-80s. Yeah. And the sound is a bit like Talk Talk's The Party's Over, oh. which is another of my favourite albums, like yeah. the first Talk Talk album. And those are my two great kind of, I'd call it, I'm a dark tourist, I'd call it a dark pop. Yeah, it was like, absolutely. Because I love pop. Yep. That was one of the things about Trigger, for instance. What I hate about music people, especially often indie kids, yeah is they'll love bands, but they, they, they love things they think are cool. So yeah. I can honestly love uh, Duran Duran as much yeah. as I love Nick Cave. Like, yeah. absolutely no question. And to me, they're, they're just, there's no difference. Like, yeah. if, if a song makes you just want to play it again, it should be there. I and I hate people, you play them a song and they like it, and then you tell them who it's by, they go, oh, well. It's like, fuck that. It's really this, difficult to write a pop song. We, was, we I had this exact conversation a couple of hours ago, a couple of hours ago with Preston. Preston and, from the Ordinary Boys. Yeah, and yeah. we was talking because he, he writes other people now and he was saying it's so much harder to write pop songs. Of course. And, and, you know, and he was saying, I'm going to play you my track, but you know, I don't think you're going to like it. And I was like, why is that? He said, well, it's poppy. I said, who gives a shit? Like, but he got, so he I got such up, a hammering though, you know. Did. I said, I grew up listening to pop music. Yeah. The 80s was the golden age Happy of pop. Happy pop, yeah. And, like, and I said... Pet Shop Boys. Oh, West End me. Girls. I mean, like, what is that? Love it. One of the greatest bass ever. Yeah. And I was saying, for me, I can say that 15 Feet of Pure White Snow by Nick Cave is one of the greatest records ever made. As much as I can tell you how much I love Live It Up by Mental as Oh, anything, my God. I love, <laughs> I love you saying that, but people don't say it. Yeah. And, and they really are snobby. All my friends that have got great music taste, yeah. they're almost like... Um, they're elitists. Yeah. You know, they are. They're like, oh, I've got this. And yeah. the moment a band becomes successful, oh, I don't really like yeah. them anymore. Fuck that. I love yeah. Coldplay. I yeah. really like Coldplay. Yeah. I mean, they got a bit weird recently. But, you know, first Coldplay album, Trouble. Fuck. Love that song. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah. Right. Track two, Dom. Yeah. The first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Um, I think that was Jack Brell. And again, uh, was it? No. Oh, what was it? It was Bowie, five years. Oh, okay. Well, actually, they're very linked. Because okay. uh, weirdly, in my Desert Island Discs thing, I'd always have to have a Bowie, and I'd have to have a Jack Brel. And actually, Bowie covered a couple of Jack Brels. He did My Death, and he did Amsterdam. And I'd probably choose Amsterdam, because I love that. But, so David Bowie was my first kind of... I was into the Beatles a little bit from my sister, but then I remember... what She's was an older sister. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, much older, like 15 years older. But I kind of didn't really listen to stuff. And then what happened? What was that first moment I heard Bowie? It must have been her playing Ziggy Stardust. And five years came on. And it's just that drum sound. And I was just like, oh, my God. It's like, it was so kind of, I mean, that whole album is so sort of spacey and weird. And the photos of him, you know, you always read about Boy George, everyone watching Top of the Pops when he came yeah. on doing Starman. And it changed their life. The first thing I ever did when I came to London is I went to Hedden Street, 5 Hedden Street, which is where the cover of Ziggy Stardust was shot. <laughs> and I'm wearing black and white spandex trousers. It was like, so bad. <laughs> and uh, I sort of thought I looked a bit like Bowie and I had like sun in my hair and stuff and a rat's tail. It was just fucking awful. I still got a photo. And, uh, rat's tail as well. Yeah, just the whole deal. Yeah, nothing. And I think I had a nose ring. No, no I had an earring. It was just, it was, it was just shocking. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, did, I loved that album and I love Five Years. I lo I, there's something... Um, 
I don't really know what it's about. It's sort of, there's a hint of Nixon about it. It's like five years to, it's got that sort of slightly atomic fear, like things are going to go wrong. News guy wept and told us Earth was slowly dying. There was a line in it recently that I didn't, Chev breaks us, I didn't know what that was, Chev wrecks us, ship wrecks us snarling. It's Chev breaks, as in Chevy breaks, okay. Chevrolet breaks. So all that stuff I loved. And then the biggest disappointment ever, I was at Live Aid. Yeah, which was the day I left school was Live Aid. What a start to my That's life. That's right, isn't it? And Bowie was on, and yeah. he was going to do uh, five years, which pretty much would have been the perfect moment yeah. my entire life. I've left school, I'm at Live Aid, yeah. Bowie does five years, off you go. And fucking Thomas Dolby mate, played with him and said, oh, don't do that, can you do my favourite song, TVC15, yep. which is my least favourite Bowie song of all yep. time. So I fuck you, Thomas Dolby. I only <laughs> found that out the yeah. other day. I listened to Thomas Dolby on Adam Buxton's podcast. Oh, did you? And for me, I only knew Hyperactive and yeah, yeah. She Blinded Me With Science. He always slightly irritated me. And, yeah. uh, and, and he was, to me, because he was big in the States, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 massive. Here, he was just like an irritating Howard Jones to me. Oh, I loved and, Howard like, Jones. I loved Howard <laughs> Jones. <laughs> yeah. Hide, pearl in the shell. I love, oh, mate. I love that, thing. yeah. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, and he was saying that He'd never rehearsed with Bowie. No. And they went up, and I think they played that, and they, I think they played Modern Love. Yeah, the rest was great. It yeah. was fine. I mean, it was a bit Bowie funk. Yeah. You know, the moment you see a bass rising above the nipples, you're like, please, yeah. move away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because the fingers go away and the thumb comes out yeah. at that point, doesn't and, it? And it? Yeah. Oh, the thumb. Jesus. Yeah, yeah you don't want to see that. The no. real John Taylor. Yeah. You know, like, Pure level 42. Yeah. Whereas, you know, say what you want about Alex Jones in Blur, and a lot of people think he's the epitome of rock and roll ruined in the countryside, but yeah. the man could... He, had, he could hang a bass, you know. You need a, you need a hooky-type length yeah, of bass. Yeah, hooky's got it now. Hooky's got his bass, yeah. <laughs> so how did that track emotionally affect you? I think that was the first time I realised that, uh, that I was probably a bit, a bit of a depressive. I love sad music. Like, yeah. people... I think it's what people don't get. I hate people that go, oh, sad music, don't put it on, it makes me sad. Sad music makes me happy. Yeah. It doesn't make me happy, but it makes me feel... Really it stimulates you in dolphins, I think. I think, I it, think it does. It's the sort of... I've always, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's like the sort of... I've imagined it's the sort of musical equivalent of cutting yourself. People yeah, say they cut say. themselves to release something. Yeah. I've never understood that. Yeah. But I definitely... If I, was feeling, if I was feeling depressed, you know, as a teen or whatever, yeah. I wouldn't sit and listen to Howard Jones. Much yeah. as I love Howard Jones, I would... Uh, I'd put on The Cure or I'd yeah. put on something really sad. I loved it. I, like, I quite like to wallow in the, yeah. and write a bit of poetry yeah. and uh, you know, just think about life a little bit. Absolutely. You know, like, I love that. And I think that's the best tradition of stuff. And that's five years... That's what for about, right? That's, yeah. why, that's why they were invented, surely. I think that is what it's about. <laughs> and I think five years was the first time I ever heard a song. Because before that, really, I probably heard some songs. I probably heard some Happy Beatles ones. And there was probably... Oh, Simon and Garfunkel. I loved Simon and Garfunkel. And actually, that was, there were moments in Sound of Silence and stuff in America which were wistful rather oh, than sad America. America is probably my greatest that should be in here because that's my greatest road trip song yeah. of all time my favourite line in all of music is Kathy I'm Lost I said that I knew she was sleeping I just think it gives me goosebumps thinking that and I even went to Saginaw in Michigan because I wanted to know where it was oh, hitchhiked really? all the way from Saginaw so I'm slightly obsessed with that but I've gone off it but five years when it came on I was like fuck, there's something here that I don't understand. And then I tried to look for pictures of Bowie and I saw this kind of alien creature. So this would be way after. This is like, we're talking probably 78. So at that stage, he's in Berlin yeah. doing a lot of heroin. And I really remember thinking, I've got to get more Bowie. Like I knew nothing apart from that. And I, <laughs> I read a thing in Smash Hits 
and it was Ian McCulloch from Echo and the Bunnymen, and they used to have a thing where he'd choose his best song. And obviously, if you're a Bowie fan, you don't say, let's dance or whatever, do you? You go as fucking obscure as yeah. possible. So he chose Fantastic Voyage off Lodger. Lodger, yeah. very weird album. So I go, and I actually love Fantastic Voyage. I think it's fucking amazing. So I went... And I bought Lodger, and I was in the HMV store in, in uh, Oxford Street, and there was this guy going through. I didn't realize all these Bowie albums, you know. I said, oh, which one should I get? And he goes, he just points at low, and he goes, that's your entry level there. So I take that home, and it's like, I mean, I love low now, yeah. but it was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. imagine. But my favorite, favorite Bowie song on top of five years is Teenage Wildlife from, oh. uh, there's just something manically wonderful about yeah. that. But I, I was obsessed with Bowie, and I liked a bit of makeup, and I liked his look. I liked everything about him. I think I had a sort of man crush. I've still got in my bedroom the Ziggy photo. It's just the greatest thing. Next to the photo of you with a rat's tail, yeah? The what? Next to the photo of you with a rat's nah, tail. sadly not. No, I've put that away. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the classic, the cover of Aladdin Sane and stuff. I just, yeah, he's, he is my ultimate god. And I met him once really? in Geneva Airport. I'm walking through, I swear, he was just sitting at a bar next to this place where I'd get a hot dog normally. And I walked past and I was just like, fuck me, it was like my entire life had been about Bowie. And I was like, fuck, it's Bowie. And it was at his worst period, like black tie, white noise sort of thing. But I didn't care. And run, just go up and just shake your hand and just move off. I thought, oh, no, I've got to do, I've got to. And I asked him some, I just went up and we were, it was something like, uh, did Carlos Almon, you know, like just some terrible question. You could see him just thinking, oh, that is desperate like that. But anyway, I shook his hand. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So that he was, him and Prince were probably the two people I, I kind of m moved me the most when I was a kid. Yeah. The beautiful ones from Purple Rain. That oh. moment live is like nothing else. Yeah. yeah. yeah so have you heard the track? I love talking about music. <laughs> I never talk about music. It's so weird. Oh, mate. Yeah. I, but I, I like talking about it with someone who's not a snob as well. So it's great. And, and the thing is, Dom, that's why I set this. It's a really nice interest because I have to think about it. Yeah. Like my one because but when you sent me these, I, I, I did them straight away. But I could argue lots of different ones, but I like that we're able to sidetrack off them because yeah, there's lots of, of course, stuff. Yeah, of course. Have you heard, and I'm not trying to be obscure nerd, yeah, you are. but the beat I am, the B-side of When Doves Cry, 17 Days. Oh, I love 17 Days. More than me. When the rain comes oh. down, the rain <laughs> comes down. I love all Prince's B-sides are yeah. fucking amazing ones. He did Erotic City, which is yeah. a fucking amazing one. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit too you know, Prince making love to the microphone, but 17 Days, I was yeah. going to use on Trigger Happy with oh, It's really? one of my favourite Prince songs, yeah. Oh, Great. Amazing. So, going back to Bowie and, and, and the first song you remember hearing and stuff, was yeah. the music on at home growing up? No, not at all. That's what was terrible. Like, my dad, my dad was into opera, I think, but not really into opera. He just had, like, two things that he'd play occasionally. My mum didn't seem to have any music in her life. Yeah. My older sister... Uh, was where I got my first things from. So she was into the Beatles and the Stones. And my brother was a bit more obscure. He was into, like, Jacques Brel, actually, which will come up later. Um, but the one thing I really... So two things I really remember are Simon and Garfunkel, because that was the one thing that my dad wouldn't mind us listening to. But we had one of the first eight-track things that you pushed into your car. It was, oh, like, wow. the most exciting thing in the world. And the only thing we had was Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, which is... Again, it's such a cliche, but it's yeah. just the greatest album yeah. ever made. And I went, I, we used to drive, this is in Lebanon where I grew up, and we used to drive into the Syrian desert, and we'd be listening to Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here Through That, and it's a fucking amazing place. And I went back for a documentary about 10 years ago, and I tried to find a place we used to go to where I drew my name in a cave, and I did find oh, I it. I watched that. Yeah, and we camped outside, and that night, 
as we camped, we had the car, we opened the doors, and I put Wish You Were Here on, like full volume, shine on you crazy diamond. And the fucking shadows of the moon were coming across the desert. Honestly, it was the most insane moment. It was like going back to my youth. It was listening to this amazing thing. You're in Syria camping in the desert. It was like, fuck. Of course, I didn't make the documentary, but it was amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it was what so cool. What an amazing place to be. I yeah, mean, yeah. That, that, that's music for, that's a soundscape for a landscape, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, it really is, oh. yeah. I mean, when you say soundscapes and stuff, normally you're like, fuck, Jean-Michel Jarre, run for the door. But, you know, like Pink Floyd, do it. So where I, where I live in Essex... Um, very similar to the Syrian desert. <laughs> it's very similar, mate. <laughs> but I could see... I must have been about 12. And can you remember Jardin, Destination Docklands? Yeah, yeah. I could see it from my bedroom window. I could see all the lasers. And, like, and I had, like... My mate's dad had oxygen, and I had a cassette of it. And I, and I remember sitting in my me, in me bedroom, putting oxygen on, just watching the, like, all the... What, like your own little Sony Lumia? I was yeah. having my own, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Destination Thurrock. Um, <laughs> track three, Dom... The song that reminds you of your school days. Yeah. You went for New Model Army. Ah, okay, yeah. So I tried to be a bit controversial here because there are loads of songs that remind me of my school days. There's, it was sort of, so my school days went from 77 to 85. So you're talking about end of punk, uh, sort of weird punk pop, rise of goth, and uh, new romanticism. Yeah. That's, that's the field we're in. It's an exciting time, though, right? I, I, Scar as well was coming See, through. I love Scar and the yeah. specials and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, you had lots of stuff going. And, and like all great music, because the country was starting to go into to the dogs and there was, like, very bad recession. There was, you know, you're either for or anti-Thatcher. That produces great music normally. It's sort of resistance music and stuff. So you're not in Lebanon, you're now... No, no, I'm in England now. I'm right, at school okay. in England, yeah. And uh, so... I was listening to loads of stuff, like getting the first Duran Duran album. Uh, well, not the first, but Rio was such a great album. Um, just listening to The Cure, the very first Cure, um, 17 Seconds, I think, was the one I particularly remember, the, the album. And the, the Forest is just, that's just one yeah. of the all-time. When I was in a band, we used to play like a 25-minute version of The Forest, which sort of ended up with me on the floor with a massive goth hair just going, I'm lost in a forest full of love. I mean, it was fucking <laughs> appalling. But I since have met Robert Smith, and he's my... Like, he was probably my hero when I was growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had, I had that classic Boys Don't Cry poster on the wall. And then when I met him, I, I, I've got... Should I tell you my Robert Smith stories? Because they're insane. So I'm like, literally, the idea that I would ever meet him is like beyond anything. And I finished Trigger Happy, and I'm making a documentary, a spoof documentary on my life called Being Dom Jolly. And we do a scene where I'm getting married, supposedly, to someone I met when I was a foreign correspondent. It was all bollocks. And... Uh, they said, oh, it'd be nice to have a cameo here. Why don't we have someone as your best man? Who do you want? I went, uh, and this was just when Trigger Happy was like fucking buzzing. So people did ask you stuff like that. Yeah. I said, well, I wonder if Robert Smith would do it. So someone makes a call to wherever you call the cure. Turns out he loves Trigger Happy. Turns up. Fuck so I'm like, the next day, I'm like sitting in the office going, fuck. Robert, and I suddenly thought, I haven't seen him for ages. What if he's cut all his hair off, looks really normal? And then we thought, I know what we'll do. So we said, does Mr. Smith need makeup? And they go, no, he does his, does his own. And we're like, great, he's fine. So he turns <laughs> out and someone knocks on the door and says, Robert Smith's in reception. I'm like, fuck. So I go out and I'm trying to be cool. And it's fucking Robert Smith. He just looks like Robert Smith. And he's cool. And what I loved about him, he's a nice guy. But he keeps a level. You know, yeah. you're not his equal, which I love, you know. So we chat for a little bit, and then I say, all right, thanks so much. We're going to fill this at Maribyrn Registry Office. Uh, shall we go, you know? we've this got a, insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it gets much weirder. We've got a van, and he goes, oh, well, I've got a car driver with me, so why don't you come in the car and we'll chat? So I'm like, 
trying to be cool. Oh, yeah, okay. So I get in the back of the car, and I'm, we're driving down the Eastern Road, and I'm sitting there with Robert Smith just going, I'm in a fucking car with Robert Smith. And we get to the Maribyrn Registry Office, and it's a busy road. It's just got a little tiny pull-off so that cars can stop and let brides out and stuff. And I don't even think, and I just, we stop, and I open the door of his limo out into the street, and a lorry just fucking shears the door off, yeah? <laughs> Smashes into the traffic lights. And there's just total silence. The guy in the lorry's all right. And Robert Smith's just looking at me, and you can see he's thinking, is this a fucking hidden camera joke? I go, no, I swear, I swear. <laughs> and so it's a nightmare. So he, he, he's really cool about it, and we, we film the scene. But all the time, I can see the driver just going like this to me, and the car's, like, smoking. And that's just terrible. But it all happened, and that was fine. And then when I left, left Channel 4, I did my first show. It was like a spoof chat show that no one understood was a spoof. But I had bands on, so I asked The Cure to come, and they came again and played. And afterwards, Robert Smith, and I'm like, fuck, it's Robert Smith. Robert Smith goes, oh, this is great. Like, um, you know, I really enjoyed that. Should we go out for a drink? And I go, yeah, all right. So I just go, um, just off for a drink at Robert Smith, my friend. And we go to a pub, and we sit in the pub, and we chat. And it gets to midnight, and he's like, oh, God, I never get up to London. Let's keep going. Where should we go? And I'm like, I don't know. Where do I fucking take Robert Smith? So in the end, I go, uh, we can go back to mine if you want. You know, I was in Notting Hill. So he goes, yeah, all right. So we get into the car. It's the same fucking driver. He's like, <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> and we're driving back and we stop at my flat in All Saints Road. And I suddenly think, fucking hell, I've got pictures all around my flat of me looking like him. It's like the Alan Partridge sort of thing. Just so fun. I sprint up the steps and I'm ripping off the fucking pictures of me looking like Robert Smith. And I've got a picture of him in my kitchen, which is just great. And then we just get more and more pissed. And I remember I played in Baby Bird's album, um, uh, What's Going On, uh, which he liked. And about four in the morning, I suddenly, I was just remember thinking all the time, Robert Smith's sitting in my fucking sitting room. This is insane. And suddenly at four in the morning, I thought, i got to work tomorrow. <laughs> like, I wish Robert Smith would leave. <laughs> so I had to kick him out. And uh, it's weird. I've, I've seen him since then. I've done about six, seven weird things with him. And he's just the nicest man, but he's, he's proper rock god. Like, yeah. he, uh, he keeps his distance. I've got his yeah. phone number, but I wouldn't ever think about ringing him. Yeah. But I'll email him and, like, we'll go and see him at a gig and stuff. I just think he's the coolest guy. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side did you see him at Hyde Park the other week? No, I missed it. I was going to go to that. Yeah, the best I've seen him. Really? Yeah. I yeah. saw them at, uh, they did one at Wembley Arena a year and a half ago, which I thought was a bit unlistenable to, actually. And yeah. I went to one at, uh, where was it? Brixton, I think. You know, occasionally they're on, occasionally they're off. It depends what mood he's in. You and, know. and it was exactly that. I've seen him a few times where it's, it's wigged out a little bit too much. It's willfully obscure sometimes. This was the 40th anniversary. And, and it's it was all the hits. Every single, apart from Love Cats, it was everything. And I don't like, know where I stand on Love Cats. I love Love Cats, but it's not the cure for me. I like, you know, I like The Forest, and, well, Charlotte Sometimes. Well, we was, uh, again, to talk about the podcast I've done this morning, Preston chose Disintegration as, as, oh. as the album, and then we just wigged out. 
all about just how incredible okay. a record I, I, that is. I, I, this is so weird how many stories I've got about it, but when I made Trigger Happy, first money I made, I rented a big house down near, um, near Battle in Sussex yep. for like three weeks for a summer holiday, got all my family over, and it was owned by this woman who kind of couldn't afford it, so she would rent it out, but she didn't tell us that she stayed in the house, you know, so she's like at the top stuff. Anyway, turns out Cure rented it, and that's where, that's where they recorded Disintegration. Shit. And I was like, this is weird, that's weird, can't, like, so that just the whole strange. time thinking they'd done it, and they were fucking piling in the drugs in there and stuff, so Amazing. it was cool. So I love all that. Yeah, they were cracking when I see them the other day. Like the, 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 it, was, it was a weird one, Don, because I managed to kind of hook up with all my mates I grew up with. Yeah. And it was a beautiful, hot, sunny day, and slow dive played, ride oh, I played. I love slow dive and, it and ride. Like, yeah, and Fuck. it was like all of my it's old shoe mates. gazing. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a good day for goths. It was so hot. Yeah, it was it's like, terrible. Yeah, it was like melted candles everywhere. It's one of the things I love about goths is that you get the sort of Robert Smith goths here. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. yeah, and then in America, goths are kind of Marilyn Manson, yeah. and even the Columbine are goths. But wherever you go to a hot place, like in the Mediterranean, yeah. there's always the town goth, yeah. and he's always just standing by the beach, yeah. full black, <laughs> eyeliner running, yeah. just staring longfully, like I wish I could like be on the beach, <laughs> but it's against the rules, you know. <laughs> yeah, can't break the goth rules, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, no, we haven't mentioned New Model Army. So yeah, New Model Army. So, so anyway, there were lots of stuff going on that I loved. But this album, and actually, there's, there's a couple of versions of this song, but this is called Notice Me, and uh, there's a, uh, I can't remember, it was an EP they did. Uh, yeah, please. The new model army is a bit weird. I knew there was a guy called Slade the Leveller, so he sounded like a Viking or something singing for them, and I knew that when you went to their gigs, you, there was a guy who sold clogs. It clogs. was all fucking clogs weird. Was, it was a big thing, clogs, for new model army fans. And I kind of felt... There was a song also on this same EP called Vengeance, which I fucking loved. I believe in vengeance. I believe in justice. I believe in getting the bastards. But it had a kind of quite a fascistic right wing yeah. bit to it. And I was like, fuck, are these guys Nazis? But then they didn't look like Nazis. But anyway, Notice Me was kind of just exactly speaking to me as a kind of stupid 
boarding school 15-year-old kid who wants to wear eyeliner and thought he was really different, but actually you were just wearing the costume of yeah. your youth or whatever. Yeah. And it just, this song is amazing. And I, I, I think I put it in, I think I put it in Trigger Happy. I put it in, there was a sketch in Trigger Happy, uh, which was a bull in a china shop. So it was a terrible sketch, uh, which is basically just, people in a pantomime bull walking into a china shop and that's the joke although yeah. there was an even better joke in there that no one's ever noticed but I thought early on in Trigger Happy about getting cameos that people wouldn't notice and I did it once in that sketch and then we never bothered again but if you look closely in that sketch there's a woman in the bull in the china shop and it's Carol Decker and what's she doing She's got China in her hands. I thought is. that was such a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Carol Decker saying yes. And then she was going, who else have you got? And I remember just lying, going, oh, we've got um, uh, Johnny Rotten's doing something. And I think I said Prince was speaking <laughs> it. Anyway, she was the only person who ever did it. But yeah, I love Notice Me. It had a real power to it. And it had an anger to it. And I think it, to me as a sort of, you know, I was at a posh school, it felt... It felt sort of, oh, a street and, you yeah. know, like, let's have a fucking revolution and all that. It's weird, when I first started going to sort of indie nights and things yeah. like that, probably sort of 90, 91, um, the levellers were just, like, coming through. Yeah, I never and, liked the levellers. Uh, like, what weren't, weren't for me. Too crusty for me. But I think New Model Army were, like, the kind of, the, the forefathers to that. Yeah. And, and I think there was lots of, like... They were godfathers of crust, weren't yeah, they? But, exactly. but they? But they had a bit more oomph to them. Yeah. Levelers were all a bit too vegan, yeah. quite a lot of beans being taken yeah. and stuff. I felt New Modern Army fucking kicked yeah. ass. Vagabonds is a good tune by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like all their stuff. And, and weirdly, a friend of mine, Matt Reed, just made a film about them, made a documentary oh, really? about New Modern Army. And I was in it very briefly, saying something like, yeah, I like them. <laughs> and uh, so I learned a lot more about them. It's a really interesting story, New yeah. Modern Army. And I think, again, they've never been taken seriously. They were never taken seriously by the music press. And, you know, if you're selling clogs at concerts, it's not going to happen, is it? No, mate. And rightly so. That's why we're British. <laughs> okay. So track four yeah. is the first record you remember buying. Okay. I, I do remember this because I was at school. I think it was... I don't know what year it was, 79, something like that, 1980. And um, the music master said, he was like one of these guys that just hated popular music, you know, always playing his classical music. And we were constantly going on just saying, for fuck's sake, you know, we didn't say fuck's sake, obviously, but we were like, we've got to listen to some music we like. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what we'll do. Next, if you do, we had to do something that week. He said, I'll go and buy whatever's number one. And... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll play it the next week. And I said, well, I'll, I'll go and buy it because I'm out. So anyway, I went out and it was Boomtown Rats, Rat Trap. I didn't know anything about them, played it. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. It yeah. was like, I love Boomtown Rats. And again, I think it, they, they were given a kind of, uh, you know, I don't like Mondays is probably the one everyone knows. But they had, Bob Geldof, is, he's got power behind him. It's amazing. I, he did a solo album and he did this incredible song, which I used in Trigger Happy again, Songs of Innocence. called In the Beat of the Night. Yeah. Fuck. It's, an, it's got incredible. I think Clapton plays guitar on yeah. it. It's an amazing song. And yeah. I just love his voice. It's that. But Rat Trap is just, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's punk. It's punk pop, isn't it? It's good yeah. punk pop, basically. It's great. There was another great, the worst band ever name, An Emotional Fish. There was, yep. uh, they were from Northern Ireland, and they had a song called Celebrate, yep. which is about a bit later, and fuck, I love that song as well. Mm. I love pop with a punky edge. <laughs> uh, Bob Geldof is... Uh, <laughs> Discuss. He, he had a show on XFM. He Ooh. was a radio DJ in the kind of about 95. Yeah. And uh, we just had a load of demos, and uh, 
and I bumped into, I, I went up to the, it was in the Capitol building and it had moved from Charlotte Street, XFM, and, and we went up there and I, I see him walk in and I gave him a cassette. Like you did when you was in. Ah, oh, those are the you, days, you, isn't you it? You're trying to get it to John Peel and stuff. And it, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and then that night, my drummer phoned me up. He went, "Bob Geldof's playing us on the radio." What? And, oh my uh, god! And he gave us record of the week. And he did played he? us for five days. So yeah, he was. That see, that's what it was about, wasn't yeah, it? it? If was you got brilliant. played on John Peel, fuck. Oh mate. That's, yeah, like that's when he played the wedding present, sort of oh. twenty times in a row or stuff, yeah. and like, yeah, it was amazing. Have you ever seen the wedding present? No, oh. never. Oh. Good. Do you know? I saw them. I saw them in about. We're going right off tangent here. It mate, doesn't matter. It's, like it's all indie, isn't it? Um, I saw them at a place with the Wire Club in Chelmsford. Yeah. And it was just as Gage was doing Cinerama as well. Yeah. And uh, and oh, they were just brilliant. Like literally hearing Kennedy. Yeah. Like live, and then saying thank you very much, good night. And then as we walked down the stairs to go, he was flogging the t-shirts. Yeah. Literally off a little table by the front door, and it was like. Oh, this is brilliant. This is just what it's, I want from my hero. It's what it should be, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know why, and I, there's no comparison at all, but the wedding present always reminded me of Dinosaur Junior. They were like a sort of British Dinosaur Junior. I yeah. don't know why, but it had that kind of... It was real. I think that's yeah. why he liked... Why John Peel really liked them, yeah. wasn't it? They weren't... They just... They loved the fucking music, and yeah. that was it. So all they wanted to do was yeah. get in a van, drive around and play music. Yeah. It was great. And David Gedge kind of had that look about him that like... Great name, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a good it's name. A good it's a good rock solid. name. Yeah. Name's Dave Gedge. Uh, yeah. But he also... You know, it's a strong name, and he wrote some strong songs, but he also looks like he could install a combi boiler if you needed one. I think he probably could. Yeah, right. he's a renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, where were we? I can't remember what song well, we, we're on. We, oh, we're on we Rap Trap, about aren't we? Rap yeah. Trap and school. So did you enjoy school? No, I fucking I hated every, every moment of it. It was boarding school because we lived abroad, so my parents sent me there. I went when I was seven. Um, so obviously, when I was at school in Lebanon... Famously, I, I've milked this story, but I was at school with Osama bin Laden for a year, which was quite a result. Fucking um, hell, seriously? Yeah. yeah. So I, I went to this Quaker school near my house and turned out that when I was six and he was 16, we were at school together for a year. Obviously don't remember him. Looked him up on Friends Reunited. Nothing. No? But, yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite joke. And then, uh, so it's true though. And then I went, got sent to these schools where, so I went to a school in Oxford where all of Radiohead were in my year. Uh, which was quite weird, yeah. and most of the Tory cabinet now. So it was quite a weird mix of people. That's really posh then. Oh, it was proper top posh, yeah. yeah. And then I went to a lot less posh place in Hertfordshire called Halebury, and Halebury was set up originally to train people to run India, like they trained the people for the East India service. And like when India became independent in 1949 or whatever, they must have sat there and thought, what the fuck do we do now? Yeah. And then they just went, oh, fuck it, we'll carry on. So I'm fully trained to run India, should it come. But it was the most pointless place. But... Yeah, so I hated school. I hated rules. I hated being stuck there. Was I hated you a show off. What? Was you a show off? No, I was loud, but I wasn't a show off. I was quite shy, but I was I was just loud. I just hated. And also, I was going back to Lebanon in the holidays, which was the middle of a war. So yeah. I'd literally come back, and they'd go, "What did you do in your holidays?" And like, you know, Jeff would be writing about his Jim Carner or his Pony Club, and I'd be like, "Well, we were being shelled, or we just had to escape on a boat out to Cyprus or something like that." So it was a very uh, schizophrenic life, and I think that's what gave me a lot of my comedy because in Lebanon I was always British, and I sort of floated above this weird war, and then back at school I, I just felt. This is, you know, I don't know what the fuck you people are doing here. Like, I loved Lebanon. It was an exciting place. And it was just dull Victorian place where you had these stupid rules and uh, it was awful. So it made me the sort of, path I'm a sort of plastic revolutionary. You know, I'm, a, you? I'm an anarchist. I'm, an, I'm not even an anarchist. I'm a sort of, I just, I like fucking things up, but with no political agenda. I just yeah. like putting weird things in the mix, really. 
ruined it for everyone is what my wife says will be <laughs> on my gravestone, <laughs> which I love. Oh, brilliant. Was you, did, you, did you feel creative at school? Was you like... No, and that's what really irritates me because I just... I'm, I'm, I'm quite smart. I did really well my A-levels, but I didn't do any work, and I hated it. I didn't want to... Was that encouraged at your school, like well, the, the arts and creative? No, that's and that, it was a very unarty place. I mean, there was art, as in art, but yeah. I'm not, I'm, I can't draw an apple. Yeah. But there was nothing... I was in a play, I think. But at the time, like, remember, in, when, um, when at my first school, Dave Allen, his son was there. And, you know, there were only about six comedians in Britain at the time. Yeah. There were two Ronnies and... Morecambe and Wise and Dave Allen Dave used Allen. to come to the school and sit on a table and with a glass of whiskey and smoke fags and, and talk. I remember thinking, fuck, that's a job. Like, but yeah. that wasn't a possibility for me at all. Like, yeah. uh, being a stand-up, uh, I've never been a stand-up, but being a comedian certainly wasn't. I knew I didn't want to be a stand-up. And then I remember seeing, well, the thing that changed my life was Dennis Pennis. I saw Dennis Pennis and he was kind of, again, a bit punky and uh, I knew his producer and they came and filmed on my roof of my flat and I remember just watching his stuff and thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. And it was a bit like punk. It was the first time, like a year before that, if I'd want to film something, I'd have to hire a proper cameraman, sound man. It'd been way too expensive. But suddenly, you could just buy a, a camera that was just good enough to film your own stuff and put it on telly. Yeah. So it was like just getting a guitar. Yeah. And it was like, I don't need anyone else. And we just went out and I just started filming stuff. And that's how it started. That's punk. So it was right? like punk, yeah. yeah. He looked incredible, Dennis Pennis, but didn't he? What was funny about Dennis Pennis, because he so wants to be a punk sort of guy, yeah. Paul Kay, lovely guy, is his whole point was trying to look incognito to get these yeah. people. And yet, I, I, and he actually said right at the beginning of his show, he actually had a point. He said, in the old days, stars were stars, and you could go and fucking talk to them and interview them. Now, they're surrounded in this bubble by PRs. And he said, let's face it. If a PR is going to keep anyone away, it's someone that looks like me. Yeah, so course. if I can talk to them, then what the fuck are you doing with these PRs? Yeah. And some of his lines were just amazing. Yeah, you know? absolutely incredible. Yeah. All right. We've really drifted, haven't we? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. That's what I like. Yeah. Track five, Dom. Yeah. The song that soundtracked your clubbing years. Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have a massive clubbing years because I was a goth. Uh, and I hate dancing. Like, I literally loathe dancing. I love going to nightclubs. Can you dance? No, of course not. I, I mean, literally, I have no rhythm. I mean, I probably can in, the, in my bedroom when I'm alone. But that's uh, what goths do, right? That's what goths do, yeah, and it's dark. What did you do in your band? I sang. Right. But I didn't, I just... Didn't move. Oh, rigid. Laid on the floor. And what? I did a lot of lying on the floor. <laughs> I'd weep, and uh, <laughs> I'd do a lot of playing with my hair. Yeah. You know, I was like Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club. You know, a lot yep. of hiding behind the... Yep. I had a massive... Robert Smith fringe basically like that and uh, yeah so I, I, and I was sort of rooted to the floor it was terrible but, and I hate dancing but just occasionally I'd take enough drugs to get going I remember the first time someone gave me E and I, I had no idea it was E I didn't know what it was I went to some weird guy's party it was in a boathouse on the Thames and it was a guy I didn't really like at school and he was, he was a total square but he seemed to have come in some money and having this fucking amazing party and as he came in he was just handed these two tabs of something, and we were told it was ecstasy. We'd all heard about it. It was like, oh, great. So we all tried like a half, like, and we're sitting around like nothing. So we're like, fuck it, we just necked it. And then all I remember, there was a terrible band, like a shit cover band playing, ah, la, 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 bamba. <laughs> like suddenly we were just all just staring the whole room, and they must have been like, fuck, we are on fire here, like that. <laughs> but so when those sort of E-inspired things, I remember, you know, Primal Scream loaded, that, that was kind of my level of clubbiness it got to. I mean, I actually, weird, I do love 
some weird dance stuff, but I couldn't really name it particularly. But so loaded is the sort of speed of dance that I yeah. like. I can sort of shuffle around and yeah. you know make gothy gothy movements. So we're talking late eighties, early nineties. We're talking yeah. So we're talking when I you know sort of uni years, so eighty eight to ninety one. I'm yeah. in London. Uh, it's just before Nirvana arrive, yeah. basically, and kick all this shit away. And it is people going off to you know film uh, it's it's people ringing answering machines and getting going off to fucking raves in in fields and just i didn't take enough drugs i don't think yeah. to, to like that um so no i, I just hate dancing this yeah. is a very bad one for me i'm trying to think of a dance track that i really fucking love but i can't i, just, I can't even say that so yeah so did, was you a big primal screen fan was that what? A big Primal Scream fan. Not big, actually. I don't know. Enough. I mean, I love Bobby Gillespie. I met him once. In fact, just recently, there's that amazing thing. If you, oh, did you see him? Ju- that, uh, that's my favourite moment of all time on telly. It's on The Week in Politics or whatever, and Andrew Neil and Michael Portilla are all standing up doing this weird dance. And it's, I've been there where you just get stuck on a TV show, and you're like, fuck, I don't want to be involved in this. But you normally do join in because you don't want to be a cunt. And yeah. what I loved about Bobby Gillespie is like, fuck you, I am a cunt. Yeah. And he just stares at them with a look of... You are cunts. It's, it's amazing. It's the best it's meme incredible. ever. But so I loved, you know, I, I, I loved what he did. But Screamadelica was just insane for me. Yeah. Like it was just yeah. this massive. Was it a triple? No, it was a double, wasn't it? Double album. No, I think it was a single album. Uh, was Screamadelica. it? I think Give Up. Uh, I think the follow up might have been. Oh, I thought double. it was a double. Well, it felt double because yeah. it was long, big spacey track yeah. I just I, I loved it absolutely yeah. loved it's that it's incredible yeah and then it's Loaded incredible. just captured something it was amazing and it was kind of have you heard the track that that comes from no so it, there's, there's a track on the album before I interviewed Alan McGee last week oh, did you and yeah and so we, we, we was chatting a lot about Primal Scream and that appearance of Bobby Gillespie on the telly oh great they're, yeah, yeah. They're best buds and uh, and and there's a track and I played it um, we, we, it's, it's called I'm Losing More Than I've Ever Had and it was on the album before um, Screamadelica. And then right at the very end, it's, it's a beautiful song. It almost sounds a bit faces, it's like, it's a real good rock and roll tune. And then right at the end, the brass section comes in with like, ba ba da ba da ba And you just think, that's loaded. And then I asked how that become loaded. And he said, well, obviously they met Andy Weatherall. And then... And he grabbed that bit. Looped that and then made that track. Yeah. And like, and, oh, but... I'm losing more than I ever had. I think he's better than Loaded. And that's not me being really? a wanker. If you hear it, yeah. I reckon you'll love it. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a no, I, don't, I, I never got into Primal Screaming, though. I just loved Loaded. And it kind of, it just became a soundtrack to yeah. life for like a year, really. It was what it was all about. And it, you could see it was where Happy Mondays ended up. Yeah. You know, that sort of weird sampling. Did you like but not the Mondays and the Roses and the Inspirals oh, fuck, and the Manchester yeah. I mean, stuff? Absolutely loved it. I, I was in the jungle with Sean Ryder, which was just Ooh. fucking amazing. He was such a dude. But I remember that, again, if you're talking about seminal Top of the Pops moments, I remember I was at uni, and on the same night, uh, Happy Mondays did Hallelujah, and Stone Roses did, must have been Fool's Gold, I think, or was it? I don't know. I thought it was Fool's Gold. Yeah, and fuck, you know, and again, he thought, right, this is our revolution. It's I, happened here. I am but on we've record. got flares with it. Shit. Dom, <laughs> I'm on record saying that that moment was the moment that I remember just thinking, holy shit. Like, and, and it was fool's gold predominantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I remember looking at Ian Brand and just the way he was dancing. Yeah. Thinking, it's a bit weird. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and as, as a youngster, you're drawn yeah, to yeah. things that are a little bit But do you know why right? I liked it? It's because I wasn't a dance guy. Yeah. But suddenly I was like, fuck, that's indie, but yeah. I can dance yeah, to that, exactly. you know. So I really loved that. And I ended up, I made Ian Brand's, uh, I made the video for Golden Gaze. So I directed the video with him and... Uh, a, the single nicest man I've ever met in show business. And he, 
he'd just been in prison for the air That's rage right, thing. Yeah. So we were like slightly terrified. We thought he was going to be a massive yeah. wanker. He was fucking amazing. So cool. And uh, yeah, no, so I've kept in touch with him. I love him. So I love the Mondays. Uh, I preferred Stone Roses. I thought the Stone Roses album I agree. was just the greatest. I mean, Ian Brown cannot sing live. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. But I don't care. He's brilliant. Yeah. And that first album, fuck, you know, this is the one. Oh. You know, I didn't know what it was about, but it yeah. was he. And it was like, fuck, it was just, yeah. it was everything. It was like indie that I'd loved. And it was that all-encompassing sound, yeah. like where you just, not overproduced, but it just, yeah. every nothing else matters sort of yeah. thing. And then it was fucking amazing. I loved it. So, just to go back and to in spirals fuck I love in spirals oh, I saw I bumped into Clint Boone the other day I didn't know he was uh, he was working at a radio station somewhere he was Radio X that's right yeah yeah and uh, I loved in spirals they did an amazing version of um, Tainted Love no of uh, the Rolling Stones uh, Shelter from the um, not Shelter from the Storm Gimme Shelter Gimme Shelter yeah and in spirals cover that yeah. I love that so much yeah, yeah. No, I love that they were brilliant great band and, and Noel Gallo was their roadie wasn't he that's at the beginning right. yeah yeah that's right yeah so you mentioned that you was in the jungle with Sean. Yeah. Um, so just, I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the jungle lots. Or yeah, whatever you want. That, but, um, but when, um, when you sort of, you're going out there, do you know who else is going out there? No, you don't. And, so, and I, there was a big risk for me doing that because I've, I love reality TV. I'll watch any shit and I like reality TV. And because of my particular skill set, as I'd say, if I was an apprentice, I'm like, most comedians stand-ups are really uh, controlled. Like, they've got their routine, yeah. and they, they love going on a stage because they know what they're doing. For yeah. me, it's complete opposite. Going on a stage, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Trigger yeah. Happy's all ad-libbed. It has to be, because yeah. how do I know what people are going to say? And that's the rush. Now, in America, I could go to... I'm not saying I'm in any way that level, but you go to something like Curb Your Enthusiasm or Spinal Tap or, you know, things which are all kind of ad-libbed. There's nowhere really to go with it here apart from reality TV, because I love being in a situation where I just can make shit up. And I love that show, and I love the opportunity to go to do this weird show. So I did it, but having watched the show before, I thought, I'm going to kill someone, because I don't suffer fools, and I do speak my mind. And I thought, I was just so lucky that year. I had Jenny Eclair, who I didn't know, but was just cool and, and so dark like me, like, not all show busy. And then Sean Ryder, who, like, took about three days to come out of his shell, but fucking smart and kind and lovely... I had Britt Eklund, for fuck's sake, who was oh, married to Rod Stewart. Stewart and Peter Sellers, although she didn't give me much. You know, like, it was amazing. So, yeah. Oh, mate, the and then much. Nigel Havers, a man who'd won an Oscar and had clearly never seen the fucking show. Yeah. So every time so he'd look at me as like, he quickly realised that I knew the show, you know. Yeah. So the Ant and Dec would come in and go, tomorrow you will do the Tunnel of Doom. Yeah. And he'd be like, what do you think it is, old boy? <laughs> I go, well, I reckon you'll be in a tunnel, I'm buried, and they'll chuck a thousand million cockroaches over you. He goes, monstrous, monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, so funny. Brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. So do you find in them situations you sort of, you, you gravitate towards the people you feel that, you know, or, or do you see it as a, as a social experiment and try and get stuck into everyone there and see, who you, you know? No, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm actually uh, uh, socially pretty awkward actually which is a bit odd for someone who constantly approaches people but when yeah. I'm approaching people on my shows it's not me like of course. so I, I'm, I'm actually weirdly quite shy and I don't like talking to people that much and I think when people first meet me I can appear really defensive I know people have said oh I thought you're really you're a cunt basically which I'm sure is a wide view because I do put up a sort of wall but the moment I'm chatting to someone or I'm relaxed absolutely fine so I kind of like liked it but there are certain people I've just got no time for I just don't like stupid people yeah. and, and I think there is an element of celebrity that I like 
the word celebrity is a weird thing because to me, you should be a celebrity. You should be famous for doing something, having done something. And you know, it's the old grandpa thing. But I, there are people that are famous for doing absolutely yeah. fuck all. On the other hand, people might say that about Vicky Patterson, for instance. I was yeah. just on Hunted with. Vicky's fucking smart, and she's talented and kind. And I'm like, I've got all the time in the world for you. But some of them, you know, the Gemma Collins, or I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah. So I was lucky. There weren't too many of those in the jungle. And I, I and it's just. You, you look around and you think, I'm fucking stuck in the Australian jungle with Sean Ryder, um, Britt Eklund, Lembit Opic, someone who's married to Gaza. You're like, it's fucking insane. And I'm a writer, so what, why not? Like, yeah. It's experiences, isn't it? Fantastic. And I lost three stone. It was fucking great. Three stone? <laughs> three stone, yeah. Fuck. 22 days. That's ridiculous. I lost more on the island, actually. I lost, well, I, the island was only two weeks, but I lost two stone. And I didn't eat a single thing for two weeks on the island. Like we had nothing to eat. And everyone else was like going on the scales and the doctor was going all really worried about you because you're not supposed to say it's good, you know, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. Just going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, for track six, Dom, um, the favorite song from an artist from your hometown. Yeah, well, it's a bit weird because uh, my hometown's tricky because my home hometown is probably Beirut. Uh, and there's not many from Beirut. Weirdly, the police, for instance... Uh, Stuart Copeland's dad was in the CIA, and which is why the police is called the police, weirdly. See, and, I did not know that. Yeah, and he was born in Beirut because uh, Stuart Copeland's, Miles Copeland was posted there. So we're growing up, I remember looking at, uh, the, uh, reading about that and getting so excited that someone who'd come from where I came from, you know, the police were fucking huge at that world, time. Right? Yeah, I was like, fuck, that means you can do it, you know. And then I met... Um, Mika the other day, and he's Lebanese. He's half Lebanese, half Arab, half, half French. I don't think he's ever actually lived there too much, so Mika's quite cool. And there were a couple of other people, but there wasn't much going on from Beirut. Uh, so my, my hometown really now is Cheltenham. I've, been, I've lived in the countryside for since about 2002. And again, Cheltenham, it doesn't have much. I mean, Brian Jones was born in Cheltenham, and uh, so he's probably the most rock and roll person we have, and I love the Stones. But there is... Uh, Killing Joke, mm. Jazz Coleman mm. from Killing Joke, and I loved Killing Joke. Yeah. Now, what a frontman! What a frontman! Now, if if I was being really honest, like you know, Killing Joke would not be in my top six shirt things. But as a song, Love Like Blood, oh. I mean, it just everything about that. That's got a great intro. Yeah. I mean, God, what an intro! And to think he came from Cheltenham. It's a very un-Cheltenham song. Cheltenham's white bread. I mean, it's yeah. like it's it's about as middle class as you can get and stuff. And he was obviously an angry little punk getting out there, and I, I love that. Yeah. So Love Like Blood is an awesome song. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. How long have you been in Cheltenham? Uh, well, I've been there really now since... Well, I've been down in the Cotswolds, which is just basically saying I'm a cunt, isn't it? But I, I, I moved down there for 15 years ago. Because the whole point was when I had kids, I was living in All Saints Road. So I, this is how rock and roll my life is at the time. So I was living in All Saints Road, which is off Notting Hill, off Portobello. When I bought it, it was the most, it was, it was, All Saints Road was supposed to be the most dangerous street in Europe. It was like front line. I was the first white guy, I think, to move in there. It was proper hardcore. And then <laughs> Richard Curtis wrote Notting Hill and suddenly yeah. Notting Hill just became, yeah. and you know, within four years, everyone had moved out and we had All Saints down the road, which yeah. is where they got the name from, All Saints Road. All these weird people living there. And, uh, Paulie Yates live around the corner and stuff. And uh, I forgot where I was going with this story. What was it? 
Totally. How long have you been in Cheltenham? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah sorry. So, um, so I'm living in All Saints Road and Trigger Happy happens. And I, suddenly, and I have a kid and I suddenly think, you know what? I'm enjoying London, but I want yeah. my kid to grow up running through fields and just have a really non-London yeah. life. And of course, that's the worst thing you do. If you take your kids to the country, they end up drinking cider in the bus stop at yeah. 12 because there's fuck all to do. Yeah. But that was the idea. So I moved out then and I sold my flat. This is my greatest story. I sold my flat. I had a double rooftop. I sold my flat and this guy kept coming to see it and I wasn't allowed to be there. I was like, who the fuck is it? Finally, the estate agent tells me it's Salman Rushdie. So I'm like, Salman Rushdie is going to buy my flat. So I, I didn't do, and it still irritates me when I think about it, the greatest joke I ever should have done. Was, you know, he was still on the run. He was just been come off the run, but right. he's still been looked for. I was going to retile my roof. So the next time Google Earth came over, it was either, <laughs> <laughs> it was going to say, Salman Rushdie lives here. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I can't. I imagine if he was killed. Oh, but what a fucking joke that would have been. <laughs> so uh, at the height of, correct me if I'm wrong, Trigger Appy blew up, for uh, my interpretation, blew up quick. It was insane. Like I made a, I was working at Paramount Comedy Channel just doing weird little stuff that we'd put in between the, shows there and then um, I'd made a show called War of the Flea where we were sort of taking, War of the Flea is a great term, it's a term for guerrilla warfare and the fact that uh, a flea irritates a dog but if you get a hundred thousand fleas on a dog it kills it. So we were like being a flea on Britpop basically in sort of cool Britannia. So we were targeting chefs and we were putting domes in Mandelson's back garden but it was quite political and uh, I took it to Channel 4 and said I'd really like to make this and they'd seen the stuff we were doing on uh, on, on Paramount, and the woman who I went to had just made Brass Eye with, with um, Chris Morris. Chris Morris, and she said, honestly, I can't. I've just spent two years in, in law courts. I just, yeah. I, she said, I really love your stuff, but is there any way you could just make something stupid? You know, not like having yeah. a pot. And because I kind of fancied myself as a bit political and stuff, that's what I wanted to do. But because I wanted to get on the telly, I said, fine. And it was the best thing she could have done because yeah. I would have made another of those satire yeah. shows and stuff. And actually, Trigger Happy was just, gave me license, just whatever yeah. you think is funny, just go and do it. And we just, they, they said, go and make it. So we yeah. made it for a year. They never looked at anything, sat in the edit for four months, and then we handed it in, and fucking suddenly we were on between Friends and Frasier on Friday night. Yeah. And I remember the very first time I knew that, it was insane, I, I didn't know it had happened. A week after Trigger Happy went out, I'm on a train, and... Uh, uh, that ringtone goes off because all Nokia phones had that ringtone and it went off and five different people who hadn't seen me on the carriage all went, hello, I'm on the train. I was like, fuck. I mean, it was an insane yeah. moment. It was, it was so weird. And I don't think I realised, because it was my first thing, I didn't realise, I just yeah. assumed that's what happens. Yeah. And it all happened so fast. They went so big, we sold to 80 countries. That's it was crazy. fucking massive. I was up for three comedy awards and I just rode with it and suddenly I was like, I, I had enough. I didn't want to do more trigger, moved to the beam, and I suddenly thought, fuck, I wish I'd really appreciated that at the yeah. time. And, but it was a ride. Yeah, it was incredible. But I didn't like it. I don't like being... I think what I've realised in 18 years on is I'm much happier. I, I like being successful if it happens, but I don't feel happy up there. It's quite lonely up there. Like, the only way is down. Everyone's having a pop at you. And I'm not like a professional... You know, I'm not David Williams. I'm not going to become a national treasure. I'm not going to start swimming. I just, I like being a little stupid, like a crap anarchist, a a cranarchist. So I quite like being where I am now, really. I just have a pop at things. I saw something the other day, and it reminded me of my favourite sketch that you've done. Yeah. Um, I saw a post on social media. I live near South End on Sea. 
and South End on Sea now have Guardian Angels. Oh my God, I love them. Was it Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just fucking absolutely knocked me sideways. Do you know why that works? So so what this was, was everyone at the time had heard about these Guardian Angels that were sort of, they looked like a sort of gay combat brigade, you know, like red beret, white shirt, red trousers. And they, in New York, I think, they just started turning up and standing on platforms to keep women safe. All very good, you know, and they were volunteers. So everyone here had kind of heard about them, but we didn't really know what they were. So that's when Trig Abbey works. When someone goes, oh, it must be one of those Guardian Angel guys. And then the guy's just a fucking idiot. (laughs) And he's like, just to let you know, I've now secured the entire carriage. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Aaron. I'm fully trained. And being Brits, everyone's just looking up going, oh, fuck off, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. You know what was great? There was another one. This was before Uber pool but I remember uh, some guy hailed a black cab and as he got in the black cab I hopped in with him and told him that uh, the area he was going to drive through which was like Leicester Square was quite dodgy so I'd be providing security through the trip and he was like I don't want security it was fuck- it was so much fun making trigger I loved it oh brilliant yeah all right for your final track Dom um, I ask you to um, select a record um, that Many people may not know, and it's your opportunity to be a, be a DJ and, and, and influence them and play them something you want them to hear. Well, there's millions. I don't know what I chose. Uh, the sound part oh, of the mind. God, yeah. So, so I don't know where the sound... I, do you know, I still don't know much about the sound. But I, I don't know anything about the sound. Oh, well, then you're in for a fucking treat. So okay. the sound, I looked them up a bit. So they're kind of uh, from post-punk pop, sort of bleak Midlands. They're sort of like pill era. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know much about them. I think they're from Manchester and they'd made about five albums and they are every one of them fucking incredible. But this album, which I think is called, I think this is called, the album's called Party of the Mind and the, and the song Party of the Mind is amazing. It's just sort of, it's bleak, punky pop, but it's still pop. It's got that little poppy edge to it. It's kind of like darker baby bird. It's got a bit of a harsher guitar. It's just fucking amazing. And I couldn't, um, find their stuff for ages. So I couldn't use it on Trigger Happy. And then when I tried to use it on New Trigger Happy, which just came out, that I didn't have a blanket agreement, so I couldn't get it done. And I thought something terrible has happened to this guy. He's so upset. And I looked it up, and of course, the lead singer committed suicide. And so that's why the band doesn't exist anymore. But if you never heard them, the sound, they are amazing. So just as a starter point, go to Party of the Mind. Uh, there's a song called Paint the Town Red. Uh, Monument is an amazing song. I mean, they are incredible. They're kind of like, what are they like? They're a bit like the National in a funny way. They're like, oh, okay. they're like a sort of British punky National is probably the closest I yeah. get to them. But they've just got something I love about them and really bleak. Well, what we do, Tom, <laughs> is we put a, a Spotify playlist as well. To oh, amazing. Company this so people can go and, and amazing. hopefully the sander on Spotify. Uh, th- yeah, they are. They are. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put some stuff on, uh, on there. Amazing. So what, what are you up to now? What's, what's happening? What, literally now? Not right now. I'm walking. No, just, uh... <laughs> so I've done, I've got, uh, it's amazing. Since I've, like, since I'm so focused at the moment, it's crazy. So I'm sort of worried it's all going to stop. But, so I've just written a sitcom. My first, I've never written scripts before. So I wrote a, skit, a sitcom on spec, sent it in, and I've just got it optioned by working title. So I'm fucking wow. excited by that. I just came up with the best idea for a film. I've never had an idea for a film before, and I can't tell you 
because I'm so pleased with it. But all I can tell you is it involves goths, which is fucking brilliant, because I've just wanted to make... There's something so inherently comic about the world yeah. of goth. And, like, no one's done it. Yeah. And I always wanted to make a documentary about goth, because I had two great names for it. That's Me in the Corner, brilliant. which is what my film's going to be called, or Young, Dumb and Full of Glum, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, my next tattoo. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> so I've, d- I've done that. And then I've, I write lots of books. That's what I really like doing. But books don't pay, unless you're Bill Bryson, and I'm not yet. But I do travel books. So I've just walked from... Uh, the Israeli border uh, in Lebanon, all the way across Lebanon, across the mountains to the Syrian border, which took me 28 days. Uh, so that's my new book. It's called The Hezbollah Hiking Club. That's coming out next year. So I'm really pl- chuffed with that. And then I've set up a production company. So I make loads of... Uh, I do a lot of pop videos, actually, just for fun, because there's no money in pop videos. So yeah. I did Boxer Rebellion I love. So I've done Boxer oh, really? Rebellion. I did Rizzle Kicks. I did, uh, we did something for the Leisure Society. Just did a really cool little band called Bang Bang Romeo that were quite sweet. Yeah. And uh, so I love making those. Those are just fun. And, uh, and then I do a, a podcast called Earworm, which is on Spotify. And I got Baby Bird, who's just one of my favorite artists ever. We were talking about this. Yeah. Stephen Jones from Baby Bird, who now just makes insane amounts of great music and no one seems to want it. Yeah. And so I've used that as a kind of soundscape yeah. for these weird calls. And that's on Spotify. That's doing really well. And then uh, I just made a new series of Trigger Happy, which went out on all four. And it was kind of like in short, like eight minute, nine minute sections, all new characters apart from the mobile phone, which I kind of hate the mobile phone, but it's changed now because, it, you know, there's so much to do with the mobile because it's, a, it's a, a, an iPhone. So now he's yeah. on Grinder and he's like <laughs> live vlogging his food and stuff. And that's going out on Amazon Prime in the States on November the 5th. So I'm quite excited about that. And then... Uh, I don't know what else I'm doing. Lots of stuff, really. Well, that's a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I mean, I just try and keep busy. I just can't believe that since I was 30, because I had proper jobs till I was 30, like I was a diplomat and I was a journalist and stuff. But from almost the day I was 30, when Trigger Happy happened, I haven't really had to do a day's work where I've thought, oh, I don't want to go in today. Yeah. And that's all I want to do. Like, yeah. if I can just pay my bills and be nice to my family and get up every morning and think like this. I love doing this. Like, I love chatting yeah. about music. So it, it's just fucking great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Dom, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed right. this. I never talk about music. I've never, like, honestly. And you know the thing that really annoys me the most is everyone goes, who chose the music on Trigger Happy? I go, I fucking chose the music. Yeah. I chose everything, but yeah. Brilliant. Thank Dom, you so much, though. Thank you very much. There you go. What an episode. And when I say what an episode, I don't mean anything to do with me. But what a guest. Oh, Dom Jolly did not disappoint in the slightest. He was absolutely... He was an absolute gentleman. He was he was just he was a right laugh and brilliant tasting music and and it's really nice when the guest tasting music are quite similar to your own. So, you know, you can kind of get a bit carried away um chit chatting about the stuff that you really love. That's gotta be one of the nice things about podcasting. Well it it felt like it to me and I hope I hope it come across uh, we, to you guys too. So thanks once more to to Dom for coming to the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Thanks very much to that um, Square Bar and Kitchen for letting us record there. And, yeah, if you like that, um, if you like comedy, then go and have a look in the the previous episodes of, of Off the Beaten Track. We've had comedians such as um, Marcus Birdman, Rich Wilson. And if you like your music, then there's no shortage of guests that... Um, have been very creative in, in them areas. Uh, Block Party, Scroobius Pip, Dan Lassac. God, Mark Moore from Essex Express. 
Oh, there's loads, um, and there's plenty more to come. So the best thing to do, go and click subscribe, and then they just kind of pop up on your listening device. So that's the easiest thing to do. And if you get a moment and you listen to this on, on iTunes, give us a, a little rating, whether it's, you know, even if you want to give me five stars, but just tell me that my eyes are too close together and I'm a bit of an irritating helmet with a lisp, go and do it. But um, But yeah. And, and when you see the posts go up on all the social media sites, give us a like, you know, a little bit of love, a share. And and the main thing is just have a chat with us. If there's things that you, there's guests that you'd like me to chat to or there's things you don't like about the podcast, give us a shout. You can get in touch with me and you can find out all about the Patreon page and the merchandise and everything else off the beaten track related. The radio show It's all at www.com off the beaten track podcast.com go and have a nose thanks for listening really appreciate it i'll see you next time my ego bye-bye it's off the beaten track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew whipping